Life is hard. Life with chronic, critical, and complex health concerns is even harder. We all know someone who is struggling with health issues or disability. It might even be you. And in the pain and suffering, we wonder if it's possible to move from surviving to thriving. We struggle to hope, struggle to persevere, struggle to trust that God knows what he's doing. But in the struggle, there is real hope, and it's possible to be rooted and ready to weather the storm. Welcome to the Bluestem Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hello and welcome back to the Bluestem Project Podcast, where husband and wife team Brandon and Amy Smith. The Bluestem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. We do this by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. Today, we are going to piggyback off of our previous episode, and we're going to talk about how to engage grieving people and potentially grieve with them. Last time, we kind of talked about a lot of the stupid things we've heard people say, our lack of ability to enter in well. And so on the positive note is we've actually seen this done very well. In our, yeah. in our lives. We've seen people enter in and grieve with us and process with us way better than the majority of things that we were sharing that are stupid things, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you really think if someone's hurting, they have the diagnosis, the disability, the death of a loved one or friend, and it's natural for a loving friend or family member to say, I want to help carry that burden. Mm-hmm. And learning to grieve well is an important way for us to do that. Right. And so here's, I think, the first one we want to give is uh, enter in. If you're going to grieve well, enter in rather Mm -hmm. than avoid them. Right. And being careful with enter in, though. We touched on it a little bit in the previous episode, but entering in, but what does that mean exactly? Yeah, I I think it's this. Generally speaking, what I've seen has been helpful to me and what I've heard from people is to at least acknowledge to the person that's grieving their pain and their suffering. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're thinking, do I do I send the text or do I not? Do I make the call? Do I not? Do I walk up to them or do I not? Generally, I would say, you know what? Walk up, send the text. Yeah. Just let them know you're there. Mm-hmm. Be careful not to overwhelm them. Perhaps they won't want to talk mm-hmm. but let them make that choice mm-hmm. and if you do it very kind of cautiously and gently it, it does communicate that they yeah, it, it's not overbearing right or, or pressuring but you don't give them as we talked about in the previous episode this sense of you're alone or i don't care right because i and similarly when i think of entering because of how i've seen it done how i would even explain it would be it's someone having a posture of saying, I'm available for mm-hmm. you in time, as a listening ear, um, whatnot, to, to be a place or a space, you know, to process with, to cry with, to just be, you know, wherever you're at in emotion. But I'm, I'm here and I'm available mm-hmm. for you. And just acknowledging it. Hey, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry your dad died. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry you got the diagnosis. Yeah, I think of the number of times where I would be driving to and from the hospital in the early days in our journey with Beckett because that was when I seemed to have the time. I wasn't busy with Beckett or busy with Brody or spending time with you. You know, I had a little bit of time on my drive, and there was one friend in particular that called me 
or I knew I could call her and she would just listen and and let me kind of share specific details of the day that maybe would be going on or maybe it was my own heart of how how I was doing um I very seldom so Beck was in the in the NICU during the summer months predominantly and I distinctly think remember thinking that summer I barely knew anything that was going on in her life mm-hmm. <laughs> because she in that season in that stage she was just that person um or one of a few people because there are some others as well but that I just knew I could call and just kind of let it out verbally and she just was there for whatever that was and if I can maybe just even speak to the men that might be listening (laughs) entering into emotional turmoil or chaos is is hard for guys to do yeah. And in part, that's related to our passivity. Hmm. We like to enter into arenas that we are experts in and we know what's going on. And emotions, or especially <laughs> a woman's emotions, you get married, right? Like, <laughs> here's this woman, she has emotions. How it's have you said it? They're deep. Deep, deep waters. waters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's this often uh, this default to passivity. Okay, there's unknown, there's emotions. Hmm. I'm going to stay away. Mm-hmm. And a lot of men have hurt a lot of women by doing mm-hmm. that. And I would say a lot of men have hurt a lot of men mm-hmm. by doing that. Like in friendships and things. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So there's chaos. So there's mm-hmm. emotion. Get over yourself mm-hmm. and your comfort mm-hmm. and enter in and go mm-hmm. say, I'm sorry for mm-hmm. what has happened. Or let me know how I can help. Mm-hmm. At least acknowledge it. Yeah. I mean, we had some friends come over recently and they've had, you know, very... painful diagnosis for their baby Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about it I'm like what if they come in the door and they just start crying it's a possibility Mm -hmm. and there's part of me that goes oh I don't want that Mm -hmm. or like I I don't want that to be the case I don't want the chaos of the emotion Mm -hmm. and I I really had to talk to myself you know what if they do that not only is that okay but I need to move towards them yeah and and enter in Mm -hmm. and not push away and Mm -hmm. not push back Right. That's not going to love them well. Mm-hmm. And women do this a lot better than men. They can. Mm-hmm. There's both end, but majority of it, it is better. So men, man up, enter in. Enter in. Do it. Put yourself second. It's Don't worth be passive. It. Don't be passive. Don't be Say passive. Say it again. Don't be passive. <laughs> but the I think outside of it being just emotional unrest, I've seen it also done well where I've had even some specific friends ask if if they can come over to just kind of spend the day with me to see Beckett's world. That is mm-hmm. a huge, it, I don't even know if I really have words to communicate what that does for me or what that means exactly, but it is screaming loud and clear. I'm en- I'm literally entering into your world because I recognize it is vastly different and I can't understand it until I enter in. Um, and even so, I'm not going to perfectly understand it, but at least then I get a glimpse of your normal, of your day-to-day. And, and and in doing so, even in getting to know our son, who in our circumstance doesn't get to go out and be in many big public places for various reasons often. And so it really does communicate love to me, to him, to our family, to say, hey, can I come over and just kind of hang out with you for the day? Um, yeah. And that means a lot because... Some things in the medical world can feel scary or, or, or look different and, and be even that would make someone want to distance themselves. And that's not just emotional stuff. That's like the seeing physical 
medical things can be hard for people too. So, Yeah, that's a good transition to our second tip here is just be there. Sometimes silent presence is the best remedy. They might not need to hear your theological explanation of why this is happening or even how good God is in that. Like, generally, yes, we need to know that, certainly, and there's a time for that, but sometimes it is just best to have a friend who is just there sitting silently and just with you. Mm-hmm. Just be. I think of, if you've read the story of Job in the Bible, go read <laughs> Job 1. Uh, but he has incredible tragedy and horror and suffering come into his life. Uh, it loses more than we'll ever lose in our in right. our existence. And some of his friends come, and for the first week when they see him and the desolation <laughs> that has occurred in his life, they just sit there and say nothing for a week. Mm-hmm. And then they opened their mouth, and it all went downhill. <laughs> Yep. So there's a time and a place to just be there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, in it, I'm in it with you. I'm in the room with you. I'm in yeah. life with you. Mm-hmm. Words can't express how sad this is, how bad this is. Let's, let's just be here. Right. So then uh, here's our third tip. Listen and understand. And realize that you probably don't understand at the outset what they're going through. And I... One, people are unique individuals that process pain and suffering differently. So I've even had it a little bit on the flip side where I have thought this is such a big deal to this person and this is so terrible and awful. And then once I sit down and talk with them and listen and understand, I realize, oh, for me, it might have been Mm -hmm. an eight on the Mm -hmm. scale, one to ten. And for them, it's actually a five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have known that unless I listened, understood. Mm -hmm. But the other side is, Sometimes we want to think we actually know what they're going through, mm-hmm. and rarely do we really, really know. Right. Okay, no, you know, no two circumstances are actually identical. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have friends who come to us about their child, you know, potentially having medical issues or disabilities, and we know we do know something about that. Because so they're, they're, you're saying they're pregnant, so similarly, we had some. Hard yeah, news. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make a. A comparison that there are right there's some things sure. that we know if your dad's died of cancer and your friend's dad has cancer mm-hmm. and looks like they're going to die like yeah you would understand something of that journey mm-hmm. uniquely but there still is probably some things you don't understand that right. you're not going to figure out unless you start to right ask the questions mm-hmm. listen mm-hmm. before kind of assuming putting your you know putting yourself out there and making statements. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the statements I think that can come, though, is, uh, and being careful is, is when someone would say, oh, I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> We've both had mm-hmm. people say that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you don't. You I have no clue. Like, you, you think you do, and you have no clue, and I'm kind of offended. <laughs> no, that hurt a you've, little bit. You've yeah. had that happen, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. No, you probably don't totally mm-hmm. get what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the most therapeutic things I've had people say is I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Or, or I don't understand. I, I, I can't, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I think it just, it actually, and this will kind of maybe jump us to our next one, but it, it kind of validates that, yeah, what I'm carrying is a crazy magnitude. Or this mm-hmm. is this is hard to fathom and it's hard to understand because it's quite different than the normal or the level of grief is quite different than other things. Yeah, that is, that is our next tip is mm-hmm. validate real pain and real hardship. Mm-hmm. It goes uh, a long way. 
I remember I got a text from a friend when we got the diagnosis with Becca that said something to the effect of, every parent dreams of having a healthy child, and it's incredibly painful when that isn't the case. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. It like, like, not only am I burdened and sad about this, now I have a friend who is recognizing it and validating it to mm-hmm. me. Like, you know what? That actually is hard. You're not overreacting. Mm-hmm. That's, a right? big, that's a big deal. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're in the throes of deep grief, too, you can become your own worst enemy in trying to pull yourself out of it. And so to have people validate the pain, it's like quite freeing. That's the word that comes to mind when I think of it a lot is mm-hmm. when I have felt validated or my pain has felt validated by people, it's like, okay, I can actually feel this level of weight because it, I'm not just crazy and making something out of nothing. It really is just this much. I think of one of Beckett's therapists, actually, she's been in his life for almost five years, which is incredible. And early on, she made a comment to me as I was just kind of processing the level of um, things and how I felt like, here I am, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I feel overwhelmed with everything going on. And she goes, Beckett is one child, but the level of care he requires from you is the equivalent of five. And it totally freed me up. I think of that Mm -hmm. often because now sometimes when I'm beating myself up about even the, the weight of the magnitude of everything it's like oh wait i'm gonna pretend he's equal to five (laughs) and that makes it helps validate that pain a little bit i think you know one of the key statements that has been helpful and that i actually think of using is that is so hard Mm -hmm. i mean i don't say it so monotone but like like like, brother that is so hard Mm -hmm. i can't imagine Mm-hmm. There is a, a therapy. Now, the ditch you could go into, right, is what if someone is over-exaggerating? Right. Or it's not really that big of a deal. Well, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to validate a massive over-exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Like when Brody says, oh, it's the worst day of my life <laughs> because I can't go fishing. No. <laughs> it's, it's a disappointment. It's not the worst day of your life. It's a disappointment. It's a bummer. And yeah. You know, I can... I can sympathize with that. I also want to help you see, like, nope, I'm not going to validate that as being as bad as you think it is Mm -hmm. uh, in the the moment. Right. Here's another tip, and we got to be careful with this one, but in general, uh, being sad when they are sad. Mm -hmm. And I used the example in the previous episode of uh, a friend whose son had died, and they're at the funeral, and he hears people laughing out Mm -hmm. in the foyer. Mm-hmm. And here he is devastated at the loss of his son and grieving. And it was just out of place. Right. And we brought up Romans twelve fifteen is is what it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can take it too far. Does right. it mean we always have to cry with every single it's... grieving, crying person? Mm-hmm. No, but I think there's a general sense of moving yourself in that direction for their benefit. Right. Uh, here's a quote from, from uh, Adam Clark in his commentary on Weep With Them That Weep. He says, labor after a compassionate or sympathizing mind. Let your heart feel for the distressed, enter into their sorrows, and bear a part of their burdens. It is a fact attested by universal experience that by sympathy a man may receive into his own affectionate feelings a measure of the distress of his friend and that his friend does find himself relieved in the same proportion as the other has entered into his griefs. Mm. And But even likewise, too, I think I've seen, um, 
I guess my mom comes to mind when she's come sometimes at points in our look. She tends to come and it's like there's a lot of hard things going on. Maybe Beck gets back in the hospital, unknown sickness or recovering from surgery, whatnot. And she doesn't get engulfed in my emotion where it can either paralyze her or overwhelm her. But she kind of lets me call the shots on where we are at emotionally in our interactions, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. If I'm laughing about something or joking about something, she'll enter in and be laughing and lighthearted a little bit. But literally two seconds later, I might be crying again and she'll be really sorrowful with me. And and she just kind of lets me <laughs> ride that a little bit and is matching that emotion appropriately in those interactions. Yeah, I think that's that's very wise. And again, this can be over-owned. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we talked about at the beginning of last episode about over-empathizing. Right. Is you could lose yourself and your mm-hmm. identity, your grip on reality for both of you by just jumping into them mm-hmm. and into their pain. That's that's not what we're talking about when we say be sad when they're sad. We're saying a, a general mm-hmm. principle that when someone is grieving and you're in their presence and you're you're with them, It'd be, mm-hmm. it's generally good to move towards matching that emotion demeanor. F- yes. And Without. then when they, we gave the example of the wedding, and then when they mm-hmm. who are grieving go to the wedding mm-hmm. and this couple and this family and friends are celebrating, it'd be good for them mm-hmm. to, in general, kind of try and shift outside of their mm-hmm. their grief if it's, if it's possible. Sometimes there's things so devastating and bad you mm-hmm. might need to stay home mm-hmm. and not go to the wedding and that's okay mm-hmm. but it, in general kind of move and say you know what? i'm going to celebrate with my with my friends and mm-hmm. let their joy be my joy mm-hmm. take in their joy in right. this circumstance right it's a both end give yep. and take on receiver and giver of of grace and grief yeah all right here's another tip how to grieve well with people be gracious with their sins this one makes me nervous always <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> because, it, it, because it can, if taken wrongly, it can assume that sin is okay. Yes. And that we shouldn't be quick to um, help correct or point people back to the cross when we are being selfish or yeah. sinful. You, you could let it go and be, uh, let's say, ignore sins that actually need to be called out or corrected or dealt with mm-hmm. um that's not what we're what we're talking right. about we're talking about like love overlooking an offense right you have a great right. example for how this would would look yeah I, I heard this story a speaker shared this experience from his life he was on a i think it was a, a subway uh, maybe it was in new york city and this dad walked on with a couple or two or three of his kids and his kids were just going nuts mm. on the subway and he was getting really mad inside that this dad was not corralling and taking care mm-hmm. of his kids. And was just like, what kind of parent is this guy? What is going on? And finally, he or someone else said something to the guy. Like, aren't you going to do something about your kids? And the dad turns and says, we just left the hospital. Their mother just died. I don't know what to do. I just can't right, like, imagine. Like, like that... Right, that changes mm-hmm. the circumstance a bit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, Completely. It, it certainly is. I remember someone I was working with uh, had a family member dying of cancer, and this person's behavior in an instance, they did something that was certainly wrong, and it caught my attention, and I was like, oh, man, uh, 
you know, normally I would mention this or point this out to them, you know, in love mm -hmm. and kindly. And I was just thinking about it. I'm like, well, I think everyone around here knows what's going on in this person's life. And this behavior is at least somewhat attributable to the circumstances and the stress. The weight of the loss. They're under. I think it's probably best for me just to kind of overlook it and bear up under it. Mm -hmm. In You know, it takes some wisdom. And I, mm -hmm. right, I technically right. could could have been wrong. But it, I think in general there's a place for, yeah, if someone's sharp and, you know, sharp with you and mm -hmm. gets a little bit angry but you know they're really dealing with some painful stuff, there's probably mm -hmm. a good chance you're going to be like, you know, I'm just going to absorb this one and and take it. And certainly there might be a point where you need to, it could be bad enough for affecting people uh, enough that you just got to call it out. So as much as this one makes me uncomfortable, I can clearly see how you've done this very well with me <laughs> over the years because I can become very um, enslaved to selfishness and like even like tidiness of the house and all this stuff. And I can be short with you in my stress of grief or hardship and things. And you are very gracious <laughs> towards me and not like correcting me and all the times that I'm probably not the most respectful to you. <laughs> that, that has occurred. And, <laughs> See? And, uh, yeah, there are times where I think through, yeah, I should just be gracious and <laughs> absorb. And I'm sure it goes the other way uh, as well. Uh, when I get, right, when you get stressed, you want to control something. Because if life feels out of control, you, I want to control. And, and it usually you comes to... that upon me and maybe mm -hmm. get angry with me. Mm -hmm. and when I get stressed, there are some things around the house I don't get done. <laughs> yeah. That would be loving for me to actually get done. It would be loving for you. Right. And so you kind yeah. of need to go, okay, he's under a mountain of weight. Mm -hmm. The lawn has not been mowed on time. <laughs> think I'll let it go, let it go. <laughs> or, or whatever. Oh, perfect example so, of God's grace and marriage in the heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So be gracious with their sins. All right. Here's another one. Ask questions. We maybe yes. should have moved this up or mentioned it when we were talking about listen and understand. That's true. Um, mm -hmm. And entering in. Ask when I think of, okay, you're going to enter in, there's ambiguity, there's emotion. The best way often to know what to do is just by asking them. Mm-hmm. How are you? Mm -hmm. or, or even how are you today? Because yeah. when you're in the depths of things, it's literally moment by moment, day to day sometimes. Yeah. Or I found this to be a good one. How can I love you in this? Mm -hmm. Because some people really are different. Mm -hmm. There are p some people who want you to talk. They want to talk mm -hmm. through all their pain and their emotion mm -hmm. and everything that's going on. And then there are some people that want space. Right. And what's best for them would be totally different for, you know, for maybe perhaps for an introverted person. It might be totally different for an extroverted person mm -hmm. if they had the same circumstance. Right. Well, you're not going to know that until you ask them some questions to help diagnose what is best. Should I spend time with them? Mm -hmm. um, I asked a friend recently who's going through some real suffering, hey, would it be fun for you if I took you duck hunting? or deer hunting this fall for one weekend and I just put it all together, would that minister to your heart? I don't know the answer to that. I'm like, it might, mm -hmm. but I think I'll ask him and see what he thinks and he can let me know and then we'll go from there. Right. So asking questions. I like what you said, like, hey, how are you doing today? That's a, mm -hmm. that's probably, that's even a simple, a real simple text you can send. Oh, super simple text. Mm -hmm. Or how can I be praying for you today? Mm -hmm. It's entering in and not just, I would say even it 
it is more impactful to be asked, how can I pray for you today versus I'm praying for you. Although I trust that when you send texts like that too, things can, you know, the Lord can prompt prayer specifically. So it just means a lot. Mm-hmm. Or even even asking questions beyond the emotion again would be when people ask in a way of getting to know and understand in our situation, Beckett. Yeah. You know, he's he's nonverbal and he has a lot of complex medical needs. And so they can't get to know him. Um, but asking us kind of specifically even how he's doing or if they've been around him, oh, what does that mean? Um, it's another way of engaging and entering in saying, I love you enough to want to learn about this. Help me understand. Mm-hmm. And generally, people do want to be understood. Yeah. Especially uh, women. Like, mm-hmm. they want to be understood. Here's mm-hmm. my hardship, my problem, my suffering. N- you know, one of the things you often hear is there's no one who understands. Mm-hmm. No one knows what's going on. No one knows me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a real painful place to be for a lot of women. Right. And men, probably not as much. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't swing it to, you know what, all men don't care if right. no one understands what's going on in their life. Right. Not generally, it's helpful to have someone who's walked the same route as you, who understands what's going on, or someone who can listen and ask questions and find out. Mm-hmm. Here's how I'm doing. Here's how I'm thinking. Right. Um, I have a friend that understands. Uh, let's do two more. Uh, here's a huge one. Again, these are not necessarily in order of importance, but if I had to give one that was incredibly important or perhaps the most important, it'd be this. <laughs> Point them toward God and his promises. Mm-hmm. And I go back to the previous episode, I already mentioned it, but a friend that would just regularly say, he is with you. Mm-hmm. Text me. He is with you. Mm-hmm. He is there. Right. He's with you, and he's enough. Yeah, God's word can be so powerful, and being reminded of the truth of that in gentle and simple ways is usually what, on the front end of hard valleys of suffering and grief can be the best for anyone kind of walking through the hard being reminded of it but not having it come across as a correction or a get get over your grief snap your finger and be done with it but just a constant reminder of like bringing our eyes back to Christ and the Lord and who he is and what what that means for our valley that we're in and sometimes a, a grieving person really needs a friend who can stand on the truth of God's word that God is good mm-hmm. in the midst of their suffering or their grieving because the emotions might tell you he's not here, mm-hmm. he doesn't love me, mm-hmm. w- you know, where where did he go? And in your emotion, it can be hard to, to think clearly. Right. I remember hearing a story of a, a very godly man who's in ministry, who's great speaker and when his you know son died tragically his son I think was in his 20s I remember him saying he needed a friend in that first couple months to be there to remind him that God loved him Hmm. now here's this guy with all kinds of theological knowledge has preached God's word across the country across the world and he needed in his grief to be able to see out it was hard to see out of the pain Hmm. and the suffering he was in a friend to say, yes, your your son died, and God still loves you. Mm-hmm. He really does love you. Because it's one thing to know 
these truths. But when you're walking through some of the hearts of hard, I mean, we're in a, a spiritual battle all mm-hmm. the time. And, and the enemy is going to use whatever he can to make us question God, doubt God. And, and so having that, those friends or family sound people in close proximity that can at the right time with discernment and gentleness, but be reminding us of that truth is essential for sustainability. Yeah. A spiritual battle is a truth battle Mm -hmm. and Satan's a really despicable enemy and he wants to hit you when you're at your lowest and he'll hold no punches back. Mm -hmm. And so having a friend that can point you to God's word, these truths that do not change to this God that does not change. Mm hmm. And reminding you and helping helping put those into your heart and your mind is incredibly, incredibly valuable. And it doesn't always even mean then that you hear that and it's like, oh, I I feel better or I'm not sad or I'm, you know, not in a valley anymore. But it's but it's just needing that constant reminder in the midst of everything. Yeah. Let's give our last tip here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be the most obvious, but tangible help or acts of service. It might not be obvious, though. <laughs> Well, maybe it won't be. You're right. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But I would tend to think, I guess I would tend to think people would be like, okay, I see someone suffering or grieving. How can I help them? Or they've had a tragedy. Mm-hmm. How can I That's a good point. help them? And I think it really shows, a, a lot of times people just want to show that they're in it with you. And it shows a sacrifice. I, I've always been aware of, you know, some of the things we'll mention, like I'm aware that this took time and money usually when mm-hmm. there's an act of service or some kind of coming alongside. And that's huge. That means a lot. Yeah, I remember, so we got the diagnosis for our Beckett uh, in January, and up north here, uh, it's ice fishing season, and that's something I do. I think 10 of my friends went in on like 50 bucks a piece and bought me a brand mm-hmm. new ice auger, mm-hmm. and then they gave it to me and just said, we just want you to know we're in it with you. Mm-hmm. Like, that meant the so world. Much. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, that was like the best 500 bucks I, <laughs> I've ever seen them spend. We mm-hmm. we had another couple who sent us a little video mm-hmm. saying that they're praying for us, they're in it with us, and they were going to give us a gift of five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And like that communicated so much. So much. I, I remember Love. receiving that, and we were just crying. Oh yeah. I mean, at least I was. Maybe I was crying so much I didn't even know if you were. I don't even, <laughs> yeah. Because it's overwhelming to be on the receiving end of it, and. It's not always easy to receive, but it was like, wow, this actually will be helpful. And wow, this is a huge sacrifice of theirs for us in our in our heart. You know, they say money can't buy happiness. Well, right, that's very true. It is. But money can communicate love in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. I remember, right. like, we live, uh, to understand Amy and I in our, in our life, we, we work in full-time Christian ministry, and it's supported by the giving of God's people. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, it's not exactly a lucrative profession, you could say. <laughs> but I remember my parents saying, when all of a sudden we have this special needs child, the medical bills could be huge. There's mm-hmm. just uncertainty of what's going to get covered, what's not. Mm-hmm. And we were getting bills. They'd say, oh, you owe $10,000 for this. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it would just scare the, you know. Out of yeah, us. Yeah, out of us. Uh, but I remember my parents saying, or my dad saying, we will break the bank to take care mm-hmm. of you and Beckett if we have to. Mm-hmm. There's there, nothing will be will, nothing will be held back. Mm-hmm. And just like that provided so much comfort, mm-hmm. communicated, you know, well, a communicates lot of love. that they're in it. They're literally invested yeah. in it, but it also communicates the sacrifice and the a huge blessing of relief for us. 
because we wouldn't have known where it can all come. But even practically, on like some more, as a, as a wife and a mother who um, takes on the responsibility of meal planning and making meals, the times that we've had where friends set up like some call them meal trains where you can online mm-hmm. sign up a day and you know pick a day bring a meal that has helped and loved me so well and our family so well because it relieves me of having to think about groceries and figure out a meal and then have to take the time to make it when especially in those hospital days with Beckett when I'm spending eight plus hours there just being with Beckett I don't have the time and then I sometimes don't have the energy the emotional energy to want to go think about that stuff mm-hmm. when I am leaving the hospital and I'm parting ways with my child even. So there are significant ways or even different care packages. Like you talk about the ice auger, but I remember a friend early on in Beckett's unknowns sending, she doesn't even live in the area, but she found a way to deliver flowers, have flowers delivered to us. Probably didn't minister to you like it did to me (laughs) at all, (laughs) but it meant so much. that it It ministered to you, ministered to me. Exactly. And it was it was just this and there's some beauty in my home that's communicating I'm in it with you. I'm here for you. I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Um and other times too I know even more recently in the past year and a half, Beckett was going through some really hard days and we had no idea what was going on and and a bunch of my friends pulled together and surprised me our family, but most of it was for me and Brody even um just this like package of some of my favorite things and some activities for the boys and favorite things being Oreos because I just really like Oreos yes you do well we all do (laughs) we all do but I usually devour them most but no secrets out sometimes after you're you're in bed I'll (laughs) Uh eat um I think I think of you know I had one friend that said hey can I come up and mow your lawn or do some yard mm-hmm. work for you. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, a simple offer or ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had a, a friend, I thought this was amazing. He said, hey, when Beckett gets his wheelchair, like, do you need help with that, like financially? And I said, I don't know mm-hmm. at this point. He said, well, I've been saving my money for a motorcycle, but if, he, if Beckett needs a wheelchair, I'll give you that. <laughs> now, you know, just, I was just blown away and it ended up, mm-hmm. we you didn't. know, we didn't need it. The, you mm-hmm. know, Medicaid covered it all, which was nice. But, uh, you know, right? like what a... You know, I get teary-eyed, you know, mm-hmm. thinking of this mm-hmm. old guy who's about to retire and saving his money for a motorcycle. He's like, nope, I'll, I'll you know, mm-hmm. Christian guy from church, I'll give it to your your kid for a wheelchair if we need it. Yeah, it's I huge. I don't need a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, tangible help or acts of service can certainly communicate love mm-hmm. and that you're not alone. We're yep. with you. I think it does to some degree if you are a very self-sufficient person and you actually become prideful about it it'll be hard for you to accept it mm-hmm. and that's and, and it's possible for that to be your pride mm-hmm. you know it it's better to give than receive it can be good for the souls of god's people to sacrifice mm-hmm. and offer their help to others and you might there, there are people i, I almost you know guarantee who listen to this who would have a hard time accepting anything and it's mm-hmm. actually because of their pride in their mm-hmm. self-sufficiency mm-hmm and you need to look at your circumstance, your hardship, whatever you got going on, as a humbling mechanism from God, allowing you to mm-hmm. say, "I know I need I need other people. I'm no longer just sufficient for everything that I thought I was sufficient for." Mm-hmm. I remember from a friend 
over the years, she has talked about being a gracious receiver. And yeah. Because because like what you're saying, it can be very hard, call it pride, which is probably hard to hear, or call it something else, but it can be very hard to receive help or receive gifts or receive especially monetary gifts. And But being able to say, simply say thank you and know that it, it really is significant for the giver as much as it is to be the receiver. Yeah, it's probably good for their soul if they're if they know the Lord and they're a Christian. It's an act of worship. Mm-hmm. Why why steal the opportunity for them to to worship God through their service? Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you'd be stealing their their opportunity. Right. That wouldn't be good for their soul, and it wouldn't bring worship to the Lord. But I also even think of I, I think of Acts two a lot when when this comes to mind and how we've seen uh, friends and family, those that love the Lord, just come around us in in these tangible ways with monetary gifts or you know care packages or helping with Brody run around Aaron or like picking him up from school or whatnot when all of a sudden Beckett's in the hospital like it it's the body of believers that come alongside and really help sustain each other more than other things well we hope that uh, these tips have been helpful I think we could probably go on and on mm-hmm. uh, but hopefully these kind of at least are the tip of the iceberg and provide some help as you think about entering in uh, with grieving uh, friends and family members and ministering to them. So thank you so much for listening, uh, you know, again to this episode of the Blue Stem Project. It is always a joy to Mm -hmm. have you. I'm going to remind you that the Blue Stem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. And we just by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. Yes, and it would be an honor to take this journey with you please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend or family member experiencing health issues and medical disability about the Blue Stem Project. Mm